So glad that you're here this morning. One of the things you may not know about me, but as a younger person, I was extremely shy and introverted. So actually, if you look back at my uh, school pictures, especially elementary school pictures, I am hunched over literally trying to hide to not receive any attention. And uh, it's kind of interesting to, to be where I'm at today. But one of the reasons that I'm able to be where I'm at today, one, obviously the call of God, but um, in about seventh grade, I was asked to start being in plays and musicals and that kind of stuff. So I started trying that, and I wanted to be the tree in the back and uh, to kind of hide, but I got in some front parts. And so over time, God began to do some things in me and allow me to be out in front. And one of the things in learning about acting is that the really good actors try to get into the heart and the soul of the person that they're playing. And so sometimes, even today, if that person is still alive, they'll actually, an actor and actress will go sit and be and live and watch and do life with that person so they can get into them and kind of be that person when they're playing that role, either on TV or movie and plays. And Because the inner self is what motivates us. And so the good actor or actress spends time around others to kind of see what is in the inner self of someone and what motivates them to do what they've done to, for the very reason of why are we doing a movie about this person is because there's something inside of them that has motivated them. Now, all of us, we understand that acting also means that sometimes we can put on masks and pretend to be different people that we are or that we're not. And so we move from role to role to role. And for us this morning, what I want us to think about is this idea of our inner self and asking the question of what role are you playing? Are you allowing God to dig deep into your inner soul and your inner life so you can be your true, authentic self everywhere you go and not have to put on masks to pretend to be someone that you're not. A few years ago, there was this wonderful movement called WWJD, What Would Jesus Do? Now, it's an interesting thing. One of the cool things about the WWJD movement is you got a cool bracelet. And uh, as a part of that bracelet, one of the, the motivations behind it was that every time that you were in a situation or circumstance of life, that that bracelet or the talk or those kind of things would make you ask the question, in this circumstance or in this situation, what would Jesus do? Now, that's actually a very good question. It's thoughtful. And it makes us think about our behaviors, about what we're doing. It becomes a behavior modification movement. That was the bad part about it. When what I want you to get this morning is, is that whenever we think about what would Jesus do, Jesus' motivation, Jesus' behaviors had nothing to do with anything except the fact that he spent time intimately with the Father. And so all throughout the New Testament, we would see if someone would say, Jesus, why did you do what you do? His response would be, I am about the Father's business. And so for us as followers of Jesus, instead of maybe asking the question, what would Jesus do? Maybe the better question would be for us is, are we spending enough time with the Father to know what his business is? That I am about the Father's business. And this is that inner self-work that takes time and takes effort. Now, if you are a self-help person and you like to get books and you've got some goals, you've got some uh, resolutions for 2021 to be better in 2021 than you were in 2020, you've gone to Barnes & Noble or you've gone to Amazon and you've kind of picked out some books. And those are some good things. Self-improvement is good, and those strategies have a place, but they do not change your inner self. You'll find some results, you'll find some success, but your inner self will not be impacted in the way that you're wanting. Okay. Um, However, from our inner life, there are no life hacks. 
There's no shortcut. We can do some self-help things here and there, but there are not any short life hacks to get us there. What we need is not an improvement of our behavior, but a transformation of our character. We don't need behavior modification, but we need a transformation of our character. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20 through 24. Now here Paul in Ephesians chapter 4 is, is kind of giving us the polar opposites. He's giving us two poles or two tensions in which life can be lived. And in the first part of chapter 4, verses 17, 18, and 19, he talks about the ways of before you know Christ, this is the way that you were living your life. But in verse 20 through 24, he says, now that you know Christ, here's the way that your life should be lived out. And it comes from this inner self. It's not behavior modification, but it's the life change comes through character transformation of our heart, our soul, and our mind. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 20. That, and he's referring back to that previous way described above, of way of life. That, however, is not the way of life that you've learned. When you heard, now this hearing is an interesting word because it's actually a word of received, salvation received. So it's this idea. That you've asked your child to do something, they've listened and they've heard and there's been action because of it. So for us, is that this is the idea, is that we heard the gospel call and we responded to it. So here Paul is saying, you've heard the call and you've responded to salvation. So that, however, is not the way of life you've learned. When you heard, when you received salvation about Christ, you were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. This is our important verses for us, these next few. You were taught, and he tells us three things, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, this is like clothing, change your clothing, put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Now this deceitful is, is that there's someone that's been tricked into something, that there's deceit means that there's a little bit of truth to it, but there's not a fullness of truth. And so if you accept it, it's going to trick you and it's going to harm you, Okay. So these deceitful desires, verse 23, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So here in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20 through 24, Jesus teaches us three things about our inner self. The first thing is this, is to put off the old self, to put away the old. And this is, again, this is baptism this is changing of the clothes language, that you're changing your clothes. In baptism, you're changing and you have a new thing. And so before, the old ways, you were about yourself. You were thinking about yourself. You were motivated by yourself. Your heart, your eyes, your feet were motivated to satisfy me and me alone. Why? Because everything that I'm about is to validate who I am and what I'm about. It gives me existence. It gives me purpose. It gives me worth. It gives me value. And so you're doing things to satisfy you because you are working on an image because our worth and our value and our identity and our purpose comes from what everyone else says about us. But in that moment when you say yes to Jesus, your, your value, your identity, your worth is changing. And so now you're about the Father's business and you're doing things for the Father. And so your heartbeat and your mind and your eyes and your feet are motivated to go and to do and to think and to pursue other things than what it did before. Our heart and our eyes and our old self pursued satisfying me. 
This idea of deceitful desires is the image of it is the, the old illustration of there's a monkeys that are playing around and the way to trap a monkey is you cut a coconut and you cut a hole just big enough so they can reach their hand in and grab the banana or the treat that's in there and they're so tied to getting what is inside of that coconut they will not relinquish what has got them in there. So someone can literally cut a hole in a coconut, put a banana in there, and capture a monkey because the monkey will get in and grab it and will hold on for dear life as you're literally dragging it away. There's the deceit in that. that There's something that kind of attacks us. And so each one of us are different. And Satan knows the ways to speak to us and to whisper to our souls and say, yeah, just this time. This time will be different. And the things that are attractive to us, and we reach in and we grab it, and it drags us away. And we're like, why in the world did I do this again? Even in James chapter 1, it talks about that the temptations that we struggle with are not from God and not from outside. They're from inside of us. The evil that we struggle with is in us. And it drags us away. It's this image of the things that you're enticed to. You you reach in and you grab it and it drags you away to the back alley and it's beating you up. And you're like, why am I here again? And it's all because you listen to that whisper and you said, hey, just this one time, raise yourself up. Get what you need when you want it, when you want it, how you want it. It will satisfy you. And you realize when you're in the back alley getting beat up, you're like, why did I settle for this? Again, maybe we say it this way. If I just had this, then I'll have this. If I just wear these clothes, if I just have this car, if my house just looks like this, if I date this person and we we kind of pursue something that will raise us up. And we think because we're looking for words of affirmation and confirmation from other people that that will give us worth and value. And here Paul tells us that we're to put off the old self, the the things that moved us and motivate us are to set aside because now, once we've heard salvation, we are a new person with a new mind and a new attitude. So the second thing is to be made new in your mind. The attitudes of your mind changes. So here is what he's telling us. is It's not a self-help program. This is not a self-help. You can't just check off lists and, and things will change. It's not a mind over matter thing. That if you just think hard and long about this, then this will, it'll change. And it's not a power of positive thinking thing. That if you just think positively about it, something that it's going to happen. That is not what Paul is talking about here. If you have your Bibles, turn over to Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Specifically in chapter 2, verse 2, it says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Now, that idea of conform is to be squeezed in. It's like Play-Doh. When you play with Play-Doh, you kind of take it all up and you put it in something and you squeeze it, you conform it into a certain image. And so here Paul is saying, put all the old self, you're putting off the old self, don't be conformed by the patterns of this world that you're pursuing. So your attitude, your appetites are different. Why are you allowing the world to bring shape and meaning and purpose to your life? Instead of being conformed to the pattern of this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word transformed is metamorphed. So if you've been in 7th or 8th grade biology class, you understand what this means, is that there was once this ugly little caterpillar slowly moving along, and then one day in its biology it says, hmm, I'm tired of being a caterpillar. 
And so it goes into the cocoon, and for a time in the cocoon, there's a struggle, there's this process that happens, and then after a certain amount of time, when it comes out of the cocoon, it's now a butterfly. There's been metamorphosis. It's been transformed. And so we don't necessarily fully understand. It's kind of this, this thing that's happening. And so how does a caterpillar become a butterfly? And Paul is saying to us that the way that the caterpillar becomes a butterfly is what happens in our heart and our soul and our mind. The renewal is a metamorphosis. That when that moment that we're crawling along in life and we say yes to Jesus, that from that moment we're no longer a caterpillar, but we enter into this cocoon and there's a struggle that's happening. And in the cocoon there's always a light at the top. And so that we're struggling and we're struggling and God's giving us hope that there's light. And so the end of that moment of struggle, when we're ready, God releases the cocoon so we can get out. And what happens? We begin to fly. We begin to see the world differently because as a caterpillar, we're moving along slowly. We only have a certain perspective. But now as a butterfly, we're up above and we're looking, we're flying, and we're like, wow, look at this. And so why would we as butterflies settle for walking along like a caterpillar? We have a new perspective, a new meaning, a new attitude. We've been transformed from the inside out. And so the difficult thing about this transformation is in our humanity, what we've been taught is, hey, listen, if you do this, it's going to make you stronger. If you do this, it's going to make you smarter. If you do this, you're not going to be tempted by this. And so we have rules and checklists. And so we think if we do away with certain things or we modify our behavior in a certain way, that that's transformation. That's actually just behavior modification. What Paul is talking about to us is that in those moments, whenever he's working on us and he puts us in this moment of what we call a cocoon, yes, there's hope. It's dark in there. And you're struggling and you're fighting and you're like, God, I want to get out of here. And he's like, not yet. And the reason that it's not yet is because what happens in here is not that we're getting stronger and we're figuring stuff out. It's that moment that we surrender our will to his. That in that moment of saying, you know what? I have no ability on my own to get out of this season of the cocoon and of the darkness. And God, you've given me hope in this and I want out. And in that moment that we surrender, he says it's time. That we can appreciate that the things that we have this new perspective and this new vision and this way, new appetite and a new way of seeing things, we realize it's not in our own effort, but it's through his work in us. To be metaphor, metamorphed, and to be changed and be transformed. And, and, and it's weird for us because we think that if we do this, this, and this, and this, that change will happen. Yes, there'll be some things, but truly for transformation of character and of heart and of appetites to be changed, it's the submission of our will and to be able to say, Father, it's not my will, but your will. I'm about the Father's business, not my business. That's surrendering my will, my agenda to His and saying, I will do what you're asking me to do. And that's tough. But that's the call. To be made new in our minds. And this is a, a lifelong process. If you've been following Jesus long enough, you know that there are seasons that you're in the cocoon and, and you're like, man, I want out. And God's like, Surrender. Surrender. Why, why do you think you still need this? Why do you still hold on to this? Why are you still stuck in this? And the reason is because you're saying, I want it. 
Those are those old clothes. I want them. And God's like, just, just give me the old clothes. You don't need them anymore. Let me, let me get rid of them. Let me burn them. Let me trash them. Like, but I, I, I need them. They're, they give me worth and value and identity. Look at the other part. In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, If anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come. Now, this idea of new creation is that here Paul, again, is using this illustration of there's a statue, and a statue is, is us, and we've been born, we've been created, and we have a certain purpose. But then when we come in Christ, that statue is literally melted down and a new substance is inputted into the statue and it's raised up to a new statue. And we understand from Scripture that that substance is the Holy Spirit. And it gives worth and value to that statue that's different than before. Things that were a statue that was for unholy purposes is now for holy purposes. And again, it has nothing to do with us. It has to do with that moment that we heard the call of salvation. And in that moment... Jesus melted us down, refined us, and inputted a new substance in the purpose of the Holy Spirit. And now we have a new creation with new purpose. We're holy purposes. And not to settle for the old things, but now we have new things to live for. If anyone is new, they've become a new creation. The old is gone, and the new is here. The third thing that Jesus teaches us is to put on the new self. To be created like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, clothing makes the person, doesn't it? If you're a very fashionable person, you know, hey, the clothing matters. If I'm going to a gala, I wear something for a gala. You don't wear jeans, right? And so you got all these different things, and a clothes make the person. And this is what Paul is talking about, is we're really good at clothing up and putting on masks, and we think that that will give us purpose, purpose and identity, and people will think good things about us. And yes, those, there's times that those things are valuable, but the most important thing, clothing we need to worry about, is the inner clothing of holiness and of righteousness. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that in him, our clothing, we might become the righteousness of God. In other words, in that moment when we said yes to him, our old clothes are gone, and the new clothes that we've been given are actually Christ's clothes. That he, we are robed in him. And in that robe, people identify us, and they go, oh, that's a child of God. And the difficult thing for us is to live in those. Have you ever seen a kid the first time that they get a tie? What's their response? Yeah! No, it's like, you know, they're trying to get rid of it. And that's us. I think so many times we have new clothes and they're uncomfortable. We don't know what to do with them and we're struggling with them. And Paul is telling us, you are now clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And we're trying to figure out what it means to be living this. Here's something really, really cool. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 5, remember back to the story of the Garden of Eden and and the Satan's there, the serpent's there, and talking to Eve. And, and Adam and Eve are in this discussion. And the serpent says to Eve, hey, you, if you eat of this, you will, this tree, you will know the difference between good and evil, right? And so from that moment in the garden till that moment when Christ died, there has been this pursuit of filling that longing in our souls. Some people would say, hey, I have a gap missing. There's a void in my heart. There's something missing from life. And what they're saying is this is that because of Adam and Eve eating of the tree of good and knowledge, and of evil and knowledge, now people have been pursuing this intimate relationship with God that Adam and Eve had. 
But now, the scripture tells us, now we have the same ability to have that relationship with him. So look, for God knows that when you eat from it, from that tree, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Now here's that moment of deceit. They already were like God. They were created in the image of God. They were already like him. So now Satan gives a little bit of truth. And then what's he followed up with? Knowing good and evil. And he understood in that moment, if they took a bite of that, that they would be made vulnerable and they would sin and everything would change. So a little bit of truth with deceit. And so from the Garden of Eden, we've all been craving something more. And what does it say? Verse 24. Here's what it says. If I can find it. And to put on the new self to be created like God in true righteousness and holiness. So in that moment when you say yes to Jesus, that void that for generations has people have been wanting and longing, in that moment you are now clothed in the righteousness and holiness of God. And that it's a submission for us of figuring out of wearing the clothes of God. And it's uncomfortable. It's scratchy. It's itchy. Because I know some of you, you're going to go home today and you're going to put on the comfy clothes. You're going to put on the shorts, the t-shirt. Why? Because it's comfy. You can relax. But putting on the clothes of God, it stretches you. It puts you out of your comfort zone. And you have to figure out how they work and what they do. And that's the struggle for us for all of life. And that moment when we said yes to Jesus. The old clothes, the things that used to, we used to pursue that give us purpose and meaning and life and worth and value, we see them for what they are and they're filthy, nasty rags and we set them aside. And now we have these new clothes and we're trying to figure out how to live them out. But in those new clothes, it's the Father sees us. He sees us clothed in Christ and he sees us as holy and righteous. People that have a new mind and a new attitude and our worth and value is not found in the things of the world and what other people say about us. It's found totally in the person of Jesus Christ. But the hard part, the transformation part where we can understand that and live in that comes from us being in that season of the cocoon and letting God work on us so that in those moments we can say, I surrender. It's not my will, but it's your will. I'm not about my business, but I'm about the Father's business. So for us, where is it in your life that you're satisfied or you're struggling with living like a caterpillar? And you're like, you know what, I'm stuck here. But the process is is surrendering it, giving it over and saying, listen, I don't need to, to wear these clothes. I don't need this anymore. I'm giving it over. It doesn't give my life worth and value anymore. I'm tired of it. I want to live life like a butterfly and have a new perspective, a new view, a new idea of what life looks like. And I can have victory and freedom in areas of my life if I just surrender my will to Him. Let's pray together. Dear Father, we admit us pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, people get it done, work hard, 
mentality is it's difficult for us to understand this idea of surrendering. This idea of just, and it's not giving up, but of literally handing over the things that we have treasured that we've tried to polish up and make look like treasure, but they're cheap trinkets that we think and have pursued that have, to try to give ourselves and our life worth and value and meaning. And in that moment when we said yes to Jesus, we realized that all of those things that we've been pursuing are cheap trinkets that are trash. So, Father, I pray that you would just shine a light on our treasure chests of our heart. The treasure chests of our soul. And the things that once gleamed in our eye as man that looks good. Father, I pray that you would make them look dirty and nasty. So that it wouldn't even catch our eye. But, Father, we know that our enemy's attempt is to shine up those cheap trinkets to make them look like they have worth and value or that we would be the the one off that everyone else has a problem but I won't have a problem with it Father I pray that we would be content with being a part of your kingdom and not worry about our neighbor's house and car Father, may we just let you peel through the treasure chest of our heart and pull out those things that we don't need anymore, that do not give us worth and value and meaning. Father, may you show us new treasures and replace the things that you're taking out with much better things. Father, may as we look at those treasures, may we understand them and enjoy them and understand that as our Father, you're a good, good Father and you give us nothing less than the best. All perfect and good gifts come from above. May we enjoy those treasures. It's in your Son's name that we pray.